listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning. Welcome to part three of our series that we have right now called Brand New You. If you have a Bible, pull that out right now. Uh, We want to talk a little bit out of the scripture today. I think that's to be expected. And uh, if you do have your Bibles, I want you to open to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to get there in just a second. I'll be sharing a couple scriptures before that uh, particular passage. But I think that it is important that we spend time uh, in that particular spot in the word. You know, uh, God wants to do something new in us. We talked about that two weeks ago when we shared, and, you know, there's just something about new that feels right. If you've ever had a new car, and you get in that car, and it just smells right, you know what I'm saying? It just smells clean, and, and honestly, it's adhesives, but, but, but beyond all of that, there is something about it, isn't it? So much so that actually, over to the Walmarts, I was at Walmart at Comstock Park the other day, they have a new car scent. And apparently it's been around for a long time. I don't know why. I've never seen it. But, like, people like that. So you're driving around this, you know, 1993 old gutless, but you got that new car smell, baby. I I love that. Uh, Kaya falls into this. If Kaya gets some brand new clothes and she puts it, I'm telling you, Kaya grew a foot. I mean, she's walking through the house. You just feel good when you get some clothes. Uh, When we moved into our house, I'm telling you, well, they were building the house. I'm cleaning up everything. Why? It's mine. This is new. I love this. And there's something about new that that, that pulls something out of us. And I think that it's definitely natural. It's, It's definitely in our heads. But also, more than that, I think it's spiritual. I think that there's a pull in the Christian, in mankind, towards something new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, when someone becomes a Christian. In fact, stop for a second. Don't read the rest. Look at me. I think that a lot of different groups could fill in the blank on that. How about uh, the world? What does the world think when someone becomes a Christian? They become Bible thumper, do-gooder, judgmental, right? What, what do other faiths think about us, right? And then, and then you think, what, what do we think about us? It's very profound. God answers it, but I think it is it's pretty interesting. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Brand new person. So is this, is this new or is this rehabilitated? Or, or, or is this new or is this duct tape together, barely getting by? Is this something that's, that's really new or is it just improved? The moment that a person accepts Jesus Christ, my belief is this, the old person is dead. And you can see that in Scripture. You can can feel that when you accept Christ. The old passes away. The old habits, the old addictions, the old hang-ups that we had, old sin patterns, those cycles. In the Christian's life, spiritually, in the deepest part of you, it is dead. And here's what I want you to do. Write this down. I'm going to unpack this in our time together. God's vision is not to improve us. God's desire is to make us new. It, it is not just to help you out and, and, and have Jesus be an accessory to your life or be an addition or band-aid you together. It's nothing like that. And being new, I'm here to tell you, it changes the way that you live. If you were only told that you were a sinner, saved by grace, albeit, but a sinner, 
you're going to go out and act like the world. Trust me, 10 times out of 10. But if you realize who you are in Christ, it'll change everything. Being new changes the way that you live, and it's not a sin management, behavior, modification, or, or even just goal-setting program at all. And listen, I'm the first guy to talk to you about goal-setting. Have you seen my planner I wrote? Like, I will get behind you setting a goal for your life. But I think that people, even when they set goals, they don't even consider God. And I think that's the base of where it needs to start, right? And so, so, so if you set a goal, and it's not where God's goal is, and you're even just one degree off. Think about this like if you're sailing a ship. One degree off plus hundreds of miles means hundreds of miles off in the end. And so what do we have to do? We have to pull this thing back. We set goals too often on the outside to change us on the inside. And buddy, it'll never work. It'll never pan out. And what Jesus did was change us, honestly, in our deepest being, so that we could live out on the outside who he made us to be. So we can realize those things. We, though, we need to work out what God has done in our heart. And so I don't set goals to become better. I actually set goals to attain outwardly who God made me to be, who he's called me to be. Now, the Corinthian church, if you read in your New Testament, they had a lot of things going for them. I mean, they were very spiritual in many ways. Uh, they had, uh, from my read of the Bible, more of the gifts of God's Spirit operational in their church than any other church that you'll read about in the epistles. I mean, they knew God, but they had a hang-up. They didn't see their faith in Christ in this lens that God had already made them somewhat on the inside, and so that is going to permeate, and then we can live it on the outside. They tried to do things outwardly in a demonstrative way. You watch. And this is very interesting about Corinthians. You find these people, and they're doing all these fireworks for God, but you find out some of the sin that they're doing is so carnal. Why? Because religion will always try to put on a religious fireworks show to prove that it is something. Some of what was happening there, I'm telling you, it was godly. But some of it was trying to show I am somebody. And what God tries to do is pull it back to the heart. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, For where there are envy, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal? Behaving like mere men. We read that a couple weeks ago, and, and this is the thought. They're not living out who God made them to be on the inside, but Paul's not just going after their behavior and being like, hey, pull it together. Come on, guys, buck up, buttercup. He's not doing that. He's saying that you're acting like mere men. You're, you're just trying to do the outward change. You're not allowing Jesus' work on the inside to go to the outside. Do you see it? And so the difference in between new and improved is massive. Last year, uh, we had been in our house less than a year, and we live in the boonies, and I thank God for it. I'm so happy I don't live in the city anymore. I can't see straight. I'm so happy to be out in the boonies. But one problem with all of that is that the power goes out every once in a while. I'm telling you, if the wind blows from a certain direction, we're out for a week. And so the power went out for a week or so, and when it did that, uh, my kids were being told by every commercial that comes on the radio to wash their hands every three seconds. And so during the power outage, they must have turned the water on upstairs, and it didn't come on because we have well water to the glory of God. And, uh, and, and so when the power came on, we weren't home. And what must have happened is there was some sawdust inside that drain, and it couldn't keep up with the water that was coming in. 
We came back and water is draining in my living room downstairs. Took out a whole bunch of floor, had to have all new drywall done. I mean, it's enough to make a preacher swear. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> don't get mad at the kids. Don't get, okay, children, why don't you go out and play? You know, and you know, it's probably me. But honestly, uh, here's the whole idea. We ended up staying in a hotel. And uh, at this hotel, we don't have cable. And, and so I was watching the History Channel. And I went to sleep watching at first documentaries and then something about ancient aliens, which really bothered me, honestly. But I woke up at 5 a.m. How many of y'all have ever done this? And there's an infomercial on. There's something about those infomercials. You wake up in the middle of the night, and it's just interesting enough. You can't go back to sleep. So I start watching this infomercial, and it was actually something that was very interesting, and it was a new thing, but more often than not, in fact, the next one that was after it, they're trying to sell me the George Foreman grill, and they're saying, it's new and improved. Well, I have a problem with that. If it's improved, it's not new. That's not new. Anybody else with me? Yeah. Like, don't try to sell me George Foreman grill. I already sold that in a garage sale. You know, I don't want another, well, it's improved. It's new and improved. It's totally different. It's not different. It heats food up, right? Got it. I bought that. I don't want that. And so, so but people, people assign that to their Christian faith, that you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're new and approved. And Jesus becomes this accessory to your life. And is that really the gospel? I want to ask you some profound questions in, in your private time this week, maybe in group. You, you can pose these questions and, and begin to wrestle this down. The first one is this. Are we changing outside in or are we changing inside out? Are, are you trying to have some behavior modification and force yourself to be a good doobie? Or are you saying, God, I know I don't want to go do these things. Help me. You know, help me. I, 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 there is an element of you restraining your flight. There is an element of living a crucified life. I'm not diminishing that. But are you allowing that to happen? Or are you trying to force something like a bulldozer? Are we doing something different? Or are we becoming, being, someone different? Again, are you putting on airs because now you're at church and you need to act good for the church people? Well, what will the church people think? Y'all look at me. I love you so much. Who cares what the church people think? Who cares? I'm going to tell you, the most spiritual Christian in the room, they might be able to see some of the deficiencies in a younger Christian's life. But the most spiritual of them, they're not coming down hard on them. My son Aurelio was elated when my daughter Vera came around. He was five, four or five years old. He doesn't look down at her and be like, she can't walk. What a peasant. I can't believe it. She still drools. I can't believe this. Dad, let's put her in a home. No. He's elated, just like we are. She takes her first steps, you know, stumbling around. He goes, oh, my gosh, look at her. And, and I'm telling you, he's older. He's further along in his, can I put it this way, faith in our context today, right? He's not looking down. Who cares what the church people think? You come into this house with all of your baggage and all of your junk. I'm good. I love you. God loves you. You come in here and worship. Amen? Can somebody say Amen. Are you improving the old you, or are you becoming the new you that he made you to be? Wow. And I think that one might even be the kicker because there was a poll done uh, several years ago. 78% of Americans identified as Christian. That might be surprising today. It was a couple years ago, but... But they identified as, as Christian. Now, that's everything from, you know, the most spiritual guy around to just the person that puts up 
you know, Christmas trees and hides Easter eggs, okay? But, the but 7% of America said that they allowed their Christian faith actually to influence their life. That's a big difference, isn't it, between putting up a Christmas tree and living this thing out before God in a way that's life-giving. It tells me that culturally in America, we're defining Christianity as something it is not. It is not an attitude or an art or a philosophy. It is not a rule or a right or a religion or a regulation. It has nothing to do with that. When we accept Christ, we are made new. Come on, somebody. Write this down. Christianity is a relationship with Christ that brings a resurrection to the dead part of us. Huge deal. You need to realize that when you accept Christ, that dead thing, you are made new, and we can accept that, but it also means that there's a lift on your life. You have that resurrection power in you, and something else was raised in its place, not something equal, not something that's similar. I'm telling you, you have the Spirit of God in you. That's very profound. Now, the Old Covenant uh, is, is pretty interesting if you read through it. Um, they had forgiveness of sins in the uh, Old Covenant. There was a specific way to do it, and it, I'm telling you, they wanted people to live right and act right, and then you had to make animal sacrifices if you didn't. Um, and, and some people, they get a little bit freaked out when we start talking about blood sacrifice, blood covenant with animals in the Old Testament, or even when we talk about Jesus shedding his blood, we're like, ah, you. Let me tell you why it's important and why it's important that we talk about it. Why? Have you ever asked yourself, why does God use blood because Satan doesn't have any blood. He's not a creative force. And so therefore, it's something he cannot pervert. Does that make sense to you? And so don't get grossed out when you start hearing that stuff. You just know that God has a way where there seemed to be no way, and he leveraged that. Now, they made sacrifices. If you read in Numbers, there is three full chapters that detail what to do if you have a scab. Okay, like I'm telling you, they wanted people to live right and clean and all of that. And they detailed the sacrifices, all of that. And the goal was to preserve a godly lineage for Jesus Christ, the Messiah to come. The goal was to offer some sort of sacrifice so these people could have an atonement, a covering for their sin, forgiveness, so they wouldn't have to go to hell. And then when the Messiah comes, we bridge this whole thing together. Now, they struggled to keep the law. Nobody did it. No one. Jesus is the only one sinless. They all fell short of the glory of God. And God has a better way with Jesus. I had you turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Trek with me. Hebrews 10, I'm going to start in verse 16. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and I will rate them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Thank you, God, that I forgot the shame of my youth. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Oh, I love that. So, so, so God, when he went to Calvary's cross, he made it so the law is written on the heart of every man. And also, this new way of living, it, it, this just tells me, the outside-in method is done with. It's now inside-out completely. And so, instead of striving to live right, what does Jesus do? He comes into our life, and he makes us right. Do you see it? He comes in and does something we can't do. Wow. I love how it says it in Ezekiel 36. 
I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Oh, I mean, listen, I'm a little bit grizzled. I'm a tough dude. But if I start hearing somebody's story about how God was faithful to them, buddy, I'm telling you, I I don't have to go to the bar and drink to cry. I'll be weeping talking to you about your story. I have a responsive heart to God's spirit. I want more of him in my life. Amen, somebody? And that's what God has done. He gave you a responsive heart. That tells me that when you accept Christ, you want to do the right thing. You're pulled to do the right thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. When you do the wrong thing, you're deciding to do it. And when you decide to do those things, how many of y'all just realize? Just be honest. I want hands in the air. Have you realized it's not as fulfilling as before Christ? I thought that was going to be more fun like it was before. Never will. The world will never fulfill you. You'll never be successful in the world. You are a child of the most high God. You can't take what you know out of your head and what he made you out of your heart. And so therefore, as much as you try to run from God, you'll never get very far because God's spirit is inside you. Can I hear an amen, somebody? (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, the big question is this. Great, Pastor Joe. God's made me new. How do we experience that newness of life in our lives? How do, we, how, do we, how do we walk out what God has done? Like, I know that I'm clean. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that he's done this great thing in me. But how many of y'all know in the room we still deal with financial issues? We still have relationship drama. Ah, right? We still are tempted with things we know we shouldn't be messing with. There's, there's just all kinds of stuff that knock on our door. There's angst, depression. I mean, this world has got all kinds of things that, that born-again people still deal with. And we see people that are born-again not have victory, and yet at the same time, there's an outlier, and that is the fact that we see some Christians have victory in these things. It's not that the enemy doesn't knock. He always will knock at your door. Something God does in our hearts makes us knock back. Now, we talked about the common salvation. How do we apply that common salvation to our life? The Bible has answers to these things. I want to continue in Hebrews 10, verse 19 now. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us... Stop for a second. Can I just summarize everything we just read in Hebrews so far? Since you're saved, let us, okay? Since you're born again, since God made you new, we've read it, but I'm just summarizing. Here we go. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Everybody look at me. In the moments that we have left together, I want to let the Bible preach my message for me. I want to give you four things out of this passage. And what I'm going to do is this. I did this on purpose. I'm posing them as questions. I want you to ask yourself in your own quiet time. I want you to go to your small group. If you have anyone real in your life who's a spiritual accountability, 
ask them some of these questions and let's really wrestle down this truth so that we can experience God's goodness and that newness shown on the outside in our life. Okay, here we go. Number one, we want to experience God's newness. Number one, am I worshiping intimately? What does it say in Hebrews 10? Let us draw near to God. Many of us in the room have a relationship with God, like like you know him, but are you engaged with him relationally? Like, is he a part of your everyday life? Are you thinking about him? Are, are you waking up and considering what his thoughts are? Are you saying good morning? Is he really part of it? Do you believe in Jesus? Well, I believe in Jesus, Pastor. Okay, that's great. The Bible actually says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So do you believe in him that he exists? Great. A lot of people do. A lot of people say, Lord, Lord. Or do you believe on him? Like, God, I am in this relationship with you. I base my life on who you are. Do you see the difference? And so are we worshiping intimately? John 4 and verse 23. A time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship. Everybody say worship. They will worship. Say it louder. The, they will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that, this is very interesting, that the Father seeks. You look through your Bible and find how rare it is to even see him looking for, he, he's looking for people to bless. But this is one of the things. He's looking for worshipers. Now, I will tell you, I did not belong to a church like this for the first 18 years of my life. Like, here's what I mean. You saw people here today passionately worshiping the Lord. They had their hands in the air, right? And, and I wasn't a part of that at all, not, not even the furthest thing. And so when I started seeing it, it, it blew me away. I was actually had a little bit of an aversion to it, just to be honest, because I thought this this. This is new. This is different. I don't know that this is God. I don't know if this is right to do. And some of those things were based in, in just a wrong teaching, wrong beliefs about things. But uh, I found this out, that worship actually means kiss. It means kiss. Not some romantic, deep, ooey-gooey, gross thing. Like, honestly, some of the worship songs that are like, Jesus is my boyfriend. I can't handle it, okay? Like, I just... I, Kim Walker, I'm sure she's a nice person. Maybe she's a good cook. I don't know, you know, but I just, I can't go there. It's too much for me. Too flowery. Kaya loves it. Praise the Lord. Moving on. Kiss. I just got home from this big old hunt. Guys, do you have a slide of, of my trip there? I have one issue to take with Robbie Emery. He said I killed Bambi. That's a dirty communist lie. Do you have that slide? Go ahead and throw that up there. I just want to show you if that's Bambi, he grew up. Do you have it? Just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs down. Perfect. It's a huge buck. It makes every hunter blush. And I have a sneaking suspicion, Thomas, that you did that because you actually went hunting with a bow and actually hunted an animal wherein I killed this in a high fence. But, but praise God. Moving on. When I got home from this big old hunt, I walked in my house. And we all woke up the next day because I got up very late. When I, when I woke up, walked downstairs, all my kids ran to me. And my little Vera, she's one year old, you know, she's doing one of these things. She's kind of walking like Frankenstein or something. And she comes up and she lays her head on me and then goes kiss. You know, kiss is like three things in our world. And so she kisses and everything. Guys, that is a picture of what worship's supposed to be. 
That's what it is. That's the word picture the Bible uses with all of this. And I was just like you. I was not from a background where we were just praise the Lord. And I mean, we had a deacon that would have hit us with a rubber band if we would have done anything like that. It was, it wasn't, that wasn't going to be happening. But I looked into this thing. One great thing about my faith is when I was very young, I attended a church in a denomination that made me, huh? Oh, can we just give God praise for a second? Look at that. Look at that rough man behind it. That's a Weatherby 270 bolt action, gentlemen, with a loophole, 50 millimeter. I'm getting off. I'm getting off. But take that down. Getting in the flesh in the middle of my message. Got to let the new me come out. I remember going to that church and seeing people lift their hands, seeing all the engagement and fun that was happening. And, and I looked into it, and the denomination I came from, the advantage I had was they made us go to the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. And I started hearing about these different things. I remember, gosh, I was in a service, and everybody's being passionate and loving on Jesus, and I am trying to force my hands in my pockets. I don't want to be a weirdo like them. And admittedly, we're all weirdos, you know, but I also, like, I, I didn't want to, like, displease God, and I really wanted to worship and so here's the question I ask. I'm going to tell off of myself. This is so crazy. I don't know if this is going to make it to, to, to film. God, can I still be a Baptist if I lift my hands and worship you? He never answered, but I'm assuming. I lifted my hands to God, and honestly, it was baby steps, and now I'm so free today. But what I want to do is I want to help those of you that during worship, you're doing this, you're looking at us like we're weirdos. I just want to help you and give you some permission. Throw that slide up, guys. Uh, these are the different uh, plans that you go. First, it's going to start with this. I'm just looking for some movement. If you could just be here, just move a little bit, and then carry the TV, okay? Then you start rocking while you carry the TV. See, nobody can really even see that, okay? Jump down to line three. You're now at pro status when you're doing a little bit of this, okay? You're bringing in planes, you get a plane, the blessing, the blessing, you know. And then finally, village people, I love that. Rocky, come on, football people, get loud. Touchdown. I'll never do that as long as I live. Yet when we have a U of M game, you're 60-some years old. You're in the stands. Your shirt's off. You got yellow painted all over your body, making a fool out of yourself. You're going, ah! standing for four hours during all of that, and then you come into church and go, well, I just don't express myself that way. Just saying. Don't have a bone to pick, but I'm just saying. And guys, I didn't grow up with any of that. And, and let me tell you, this is not controversial. 1 Timothy 2.8, in every place of worship. How many places? Every place, right? I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. This isn't wild or weird. The church you came from was vanilla ice cream cone, tame, and probably wasn't reaching anybody. Yikes. I like how it says I want men to do it. You the man of your house... Why don't you start to express yourself that way? Why don't you make it so your kids, grandkids, start looking down the aisle and be like, what happened to dad? He done lost his mind. We got to pick out a home. You know, like this is. And you don't have to be like, okay, is Maggie Greenwald in here? Maggie Greenwald, I'm telling you right now, she just needs a flag. She just needs a flag. Okay? You might never be like that. That's okay. You might be like this. 
You know what God tells preachers? Don't look at their face. You might be having the most sincere moments with God. And you, I'm not judging your worship. When your hands are in your pocket, you might be feeling God. That's what we want for you here. But there is more. Well, I can't just lift my hands like a Coldplay concert, Psalm 134.2. Lift your hands toward the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. You think you're being in some way irreverent? Well, I tell you, there's nothing more reverent than you can do. Worship is all about expressing your love and relationship with God, and you're going to be a lot better when you get closer to Jesus. And that's all this is. It's surrender. Here's my hands. This is what I make my living with. I, I can't do it without you. Thank you, God. You ever get to that spot? Boy, there's times I had a lot of drive time this last week because I won't fly in a plane because they're going to pull me off that plane screaming. I'll be on CNN because I won't wear that mask, but another story. I had time in that car to pray, and I'd just be like, God, I love you so much. Every good thing about my life is from you. I, without you, I would have nothing. Joe Bevilacqua would have ruined this so long ago and have even tried inadvertently. But the Bible says you broaden the pathway beneath my feet that I might not slip. Thank you, God. And it becomes net. You surrender your God. I'm telling you, it takes your worship to another level. James 4, 8, come near to God. He will come near to you. I got to move on. Number two, we want to experience that newness on the outside. Ask yourself, am I feeding daily? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. That's talking about the word of God. Are you feeding on the word of God daily? In case you haven't noticed, we are Bible people here at New Chapel. In fact, I, I counted it up one time. Uh, we have something called New Chapel Connect, and uh, it's to help people. is an on-ramp to become a part of our church and really begin to serve and find gifts and talents. It's a pretty cool thing. There is 150 scriptures in the first part of New Chapel Connect alone. Now, we don't read them all because we're nice, but they're all there, and you can leave with them. Like, we are Bible people because we believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is the thing that's going to change your life. Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I hear people every once in a while, maybe they're from a different persuasion of you, and they came from a little bit more of a spiritual past, and they want a word from God. Oh, Pastor Joe, I need a word from heaven. I need a word from God. You ready? I'm going to give it to you. If you want a word from God, write it down. Read the word he gave you. Boing. <laughs> God's not going to give you something new until you go back to the word he gave you. You go back to that first. God, I, listen, I am the first person to believe that God has inspired words that he wants to give people. Those, we call them rhema words. But if you want those inspired words from God, man, I'm telling you, you got to be living in the Bible. you got to be living in his word, daily living in it. And we need a word from God about our marriage, but there's so much content in there for you to begin to do some reps on to help your marriage. You don't need some divine thing to unlock her heart because you've been a jerk the last 10 years. Why don't you start acting right and serve your wife? You know, you don't need a special word. I mean, if you want a special word, come down to the front. We give you one. I'll give you a special one. Act right. Stop yelling at your wife. Oh, gosh, got quiet all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In fact, if you need a Bible, don't leave church today without one. We have free Bibles. In fact, our ushers have them. Ushers, do we have a stack of those that we can, 
We can pull out uh, Pastor Brian. We got, go ahead, do it right now. Does anybody need a Bible? You don't have a, we, we're still in print, right? It's not just an app now. If you need a Bible, lift your hand. We'll give you one. Just do it, you know, like this so the ushers can see. I'm going to press on. But if you don't want a print Bible too lofty of a thing for you and you want to go to your normal temple to worship, uh, you can download the app on your phone. And uh, you can get that on there. And, and they can email you a Bible reading plan. I mean, it's, it's very profound. Get in the Word of God. Number three, you want to experience God's newness on the outside, not just the inside. Ask yourself, am I serving faithfully? What does Hebrews say? Let us consider how we might spur one another toward love and good deeds, to good works. You know, that's the reason why you might have noticed our new cards that are in the back. This is our team up card. And if you're not part of our team, we call it the Go Team. They're the people that open the door for you, that are serving you coffee, working at guest services, ushers, the people worshiping on stage, the people serving your kids back in New Kids. If you want to join that team, the Go Team, grab one of these cards. I would encourage you to come to New Chapel Connect. That's awesome. But if you just want to make first contact and be like, what's it all about? What would it look like if? Grab one of these. Because we want you to be as part of a team. And it's amazing to me, as you read through Hebrews, how there's this list of super spiritual things. We're talking about worshiping God, reading the Bible, and more. And in the middle, smack dab in the middle of this list, it's talking about you serving on a team. Some people struggle why is that a big deal, Pastor Joe? Yeah, just take my money, you know, gladly, praise God. But like, why don't, you, why don't you think of yourself as part of this? They struggle with the idea of serving. They can't see it. And honestly, that makes a lot of sense to me that you can't see. You don't know what you don't know. Write this down. There's a lot about God that you'll never really understand until you're serving someone that can't pay you back. Wow. You go back and start serving back there in kids. I'm telling you, the kids don't tip if they had a rough day. Parents definitely don't care. They won't make eye contact with you if they know that their kid was Beelzebub that day. I know. <laughs> I I'm telling you, you serve people that can't pay you back, that don't have the money to pay you back, that are coming in here and they're not from anything. You're just loving on them. And they they're not contributing. Something happens in you, and this is not something I can just teach you. This is not something that you can synthesize through just reading the Bible. You won't get it until you're serving someone in Jesus' name. We have to experience this giant truth. First Peter 4, each one, everybody say each one. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now hear me. I am not standing up here trying to give you an infomercial and begging for volunteers. We're getting by okay without you. It'd be a lot easier with you. Here's what I am trying to do is say, you have unique gifts and talents that God wants to leverage for his glory, that God has put something in you. And at some point, if you're going to be everything that God has called you to be in your Christian walk, you will have to get off the bench and get in the game. And we welcome you. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I still have sin in my life. I've heard the pastor of this church still has some sin in his life he's got to deal with. Like, we're not perfect. We are forgiven. And on those teams, you'll find a unique group of people that can be there for you. Some of the best small groups we have are actually the go team here at New Chapel. 
Wow. That's why we do New Chapel Connect. And by the way, after our 11 o'clock service today, whenever it ends, 15 minutes after, we'll be having New Chapel Connect. If you've never gone to this because you're a first service person, I would encourage you to carve out some time. It's every week. You're not going to miss it. If you wanted to come to the 11 o'clock starting in November because you wanted to go to this afterwards, fine, and I would encourage you to do it. But New Chapel Connect, the idea is if you want to join the church, find out more about the vision. That's the first part of it. The second week is all about how you can run with the vision, how you are a part of it. We show you your gifts and talents and how you can run with Jesus. If you don't know who God's called you to be, you're not going to be able to fit in in your calling. We help with that. So I invite you formally. I'm there. It's a class that I taught, but I'm there. I want to meet everybody's, uh, uh, shake everybody's hand, meet everybody before the class starts. I mean, guys, listen, take, take the next step. I'm just telling you. Hebrews chapter 10 wrap up. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do. Some people watch online. But encourage one another. Especially now that, now look how it is. The day capital D of his return is drawing near. Friend, Jesus is coming back. Built into the Bible is this this hidden seed in the word talking about the last days. It's really talking about a last days prodigal church and it calls it home. Some people are giving up the meeting together. We'll never close our doors again. Never will happen. Learn my lesson. They can pry the pulpit off my cold, dead hands. But I believe in that. And I challenge you. Pastor, I've heard some of these stories before. Man, I'm older in the faith. I don't need to serve. Listen, you don't graduate from faith school. You're still a part of this. One thing I love about our church is that it is many different races, and it's a good range of age. I've got my old folks, I call them my Q-tips, all the way down to some of you young bucks. I think Pastor Robbie, last week I listened to that message, he said, we've got young people that are hip, and we've got old people that need a hip. And so, like, welcome home. Welcome home. And I'm here to tell you that meeting in this place is massive. I just want to ask you, we want to experience God's newness. Number four, am I connecting relationally? Let us not neglect our meeting together. Am I connect? What does that mean, Pastor Joe? Is it talking about church? Yes. It's talking about Sunday meetings where we get together and worship the Lord and we're able to connect on a maybe a little bit more of a surface level. Is it talking about small groups? Yes. It's talking about you being connected relationally to other people that you can talk to and be real with and that you can grow in your faith. Yes. Is it talking about Christian relationships? All of it. It's you having other people in your life. If you're just coming to church with your family, great quality step. You need some other Christian families to connect with. And listen, I'm not telling you you have to connect with the weirdo Christians. I call them my granolas. They're fruits, flakes, and nuts. I'm not asking you to join that group. I think we have some. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Find some people that are in it with you. Maybe the same phase of life. Maybe you're going through stuff that you can just talk. Maybe ask out for coffee. I think we're allowed to do that now, right? Go to, go to a restaurant. Share a little bit. You need some Christian relationships as why we do small groups at New Chapel. You say, Pastor Joe, I missed the first bit of groups. Awesome. 
I don't really even care so much about what you're learning in the group. It's important, but it's actually second to you connecting with other people that you can actually begin to build a relationship with and get real. Take your church face off and look across the room at a guy that maybe he's in the same boat as you, but he's got a better marriage. You go up and say, look, buddy, I'm having a rough time. Would you pray for me? What are you doing that's different than me? I'm messing this thing up. Some of you can't even imagine being in that spot. That's what this place needs. To, when we say welcome home, it's not a gimmick. I want us to get to that spot. And in so many of our groups, it is brewing that way. Wow. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Well, wait a second. I thought I was supposed to confess my sins to God to be forgiven. 1 John 1, 1.9, confess your sins to God and he will forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But James 5.16, if you don't want to do it again, if you want to get over the junk, if you want to be able to look in your past and say, I left it back there, then you will have to confess your sin to somebody else. That means for so many of us in the room, your pet sin, it's time to get real with it. You confess it and that's when healing is going to happen. Write it down. Confessing our sin to God brings forgiveness. Confessing godly uh, sin and godly relationship brings healing. I am not asking you to do this the first week, much less even maybe the first semester of your time with someone else in a group. People think we're going to drag some chair into the middle of the circle in the small group and we're all going to be praying wild and take out this big Sam's Club olive oil and go... And slap our hands on you and cast the devil out. Guys, that is not until the second semester of small groups, and I won't hear anything else but it. <laughs> it's never like that. It's always real, because New Chapel's real. It's you finally finding somebody and being able to say, hey, help. Wow. We are so in need of healing, aren't we? If you're honest, you know. You say it. You need to let some of that iniquity go in the past. New Chapel. I am not preaching this message to give you four more things to do. That's not what this is at all. But the Bible does say that we have a common salvation. And here's what it is. It's like a dynamic kit that we receive that builds out into this amazing life. But what do we need to do as Christians? What do we need to do in brand new you? We need to be those people that learn how to work this process out. Philippians, last scripture I'm going to share today, Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure now when it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling a better translation in English today would be work out your own salvation with an awesome and severe respect for the process God doesn't have fear to put in you he's not giving you the spirit of fear but a power love and sound mind okay the fear is an old English word. But what does it say? Work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. We don't work for salvation. It's a grace gift from God. But here's what I want you to see. Your salvation is something that must be worked. You can think of that like a muscle doing reps. You can think of that like the kit, the common salvation, where you've got all the different pieces. It's a rector set, and you need to put together this great life that God has given. And so church god did the work the tomb is empty 
And what we have to do is realize that when we accepted Christ, we were made new. We now need to work this common salvation. We need to freely worship our God, feed on his word, serve his church, and build this kingdom, his kingdom, relationally. And friends, when we do all of that, we will be unstoppable. This is brand new you. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us in this place. God, thank you for your spirit changing us from the inside out. God, I thank you that you're challenging people in the sound of my voice today to take next steps with you. Some of it was conviction. God, I pray that they wouldn't hear any of it is condemnation. We pray the devil wouldn't piggyback on anything that you're trying to deal with them about, even if it is something severe. Because God, we know you have a next step and it's full of mercy and truth. God, I pray for those people in this place that think of themselves, and this is your inner monologue, I'm a worm. I'm nothing. I'm vile. You rehearse those words. God, I pray for that person right now that they would realize if they are indeed in Christ, they are a brand new person. You think it's humility to call yourself that and what God says about you. You say that. That's humility. God has made you righteous. A new creation in Christ. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. And if you're in the sound of my voice and you don't have a relationship your God through Jesus. I want to pray for you. Now is the time. Today is the day. The Bible says if you call him Lord, what does that mean? It means you're done being the God, the Lord, the boss over your own life. Ready to give it back to God. When you call Jesus Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. We're going to pray. If you mean it, if you're not just reciting poetry, but you mean it, you'll be born again from this very hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's dealing with, with some people in the room. I will not embarrass you. I promise you, you know me. And I will not call you down. But if you want my prayer today, I want you just to lift your hand in the air. Let me know that you want my prayer. Go ahead. Go ahead. All over the room. Got you. Got you. Thank you very much. Got that over there. You put your hand down. I got you right over there. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, Pastor Jeff, I want your prayer. I want to be in on this thing. Church, I want to pray this out loud, and I want to pray this together with the four or five people that lifted their hands. And if you mean it, the Bible says you will be saved. Pray it out loud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I could be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Praise God. Listen, if you did pray that prayer, the reason why we're freaking out is because we're so happy with the prayer that you prayed. Welcome home. And 
please let us know about it. Now, that might feel like an invasion of privacy. It's not. Your friends, family aren't going to know if you're filling out that connection card because you have a prayer request or your first-time visitor or change of information. None of it. But fill out the connection card and check the box that says, I accepted Christ. I want to send you a note in the mail talking about next steps that God has for you. He has big things for you, the least of which is to fill out that card today. One more time, church. Let's give it up. Louder than that. Come on. <laughs> hey, stand up on your feet, gang. I hope that you enjoyed today's message and service. I'm excited about next week. I'll be back to wrap up this series and then also let you know a little bit more about our November series. We're going to be talking about eternity and specifically heaven. One of those weeks we will be talking about hell and uh, I was raised in a denominational church and I'll, I'll take the paint off the wall, buddy, with that message, but I want to talk about eternity. I think that we as Christians need to be persuaded about where we're going because you're going to spend a lot more of your life up there than you will down here. I want to let you know that child dedications are going to be happening on November 28th. If you don't have uh, your child dedicated already, that would be babies up to your children. Uh, if they're not dedicated to the Lord, you'd like to do that. We'd love to be a part of that. Sign up at guest services. And then this coming Sunday is our trunk or treat. I'm going to just say, you're doing okay with candy. But I really felt like more of you had a sweet tooth in this. And so I just want to challenge you. I want to spur you on to good deeds. Go to Sam's and grab some Reese's and drop them off either during the week or next week on Sunday. Uh, this next Sunday is the 31st. That's the day of the event. We changed the times uh, a little bit earlier in the day. We had enough den mothers and Karens yell at me that it's just like I don't want the fight. I'm not going to die on that hill. Just kidding. It's a good idea. But we went... <laughs> Whew, daggers. Anyway... Uh, we went down to five to seven. So this next Sunday, we're having trunk or treat. I think we need a couple more cars. And so I encourage everyone in the room to go and sign up either to serve at the event, to be one of the trunk or treat cars. But either way, I want you to come to the temple and bring a Reese's offering unto God over at that altar. And so make sure that you do that. We'll have uh, people available to pray with you and agree with you on the word of God down at the front of the room as you're leaving here today. And then I will be out inside the lobby to hang out with people. I heard that you have something planned. I had nothing to do with it. Um, if I was a boxer, they'd call me Modest Joe. I, I honestly am fairly uncomfortable, but I love you. And it's right. And so I'm going to be out there to hang out with you. And so, kind of, I love you. That's all I got. Can I pray for you? Lift your hands for the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance up upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, as you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.